Welcome to Project Chatter, the podcast where PPM experts from various sectors talk about the latest trends. Listen to Val and Dale as they talk about tried and tested best practices and share their unfiltered thoughts about the industry. Whether you're here to learn how to progress your career, improve your project control skills, or just want to hear an Aussie and South African rant about projects, then you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Project Chatter podcast with your hosts, Dale Fung and Val Matthews. This podcast is brought to you by Innate. We hear it from our podcast guests frequently. Today's capital projects require the highest degree of visibility. That's why we at the Project Chatter podcast want to tell you about construction project management software from Innate. It's software that integrates every aspect of your project and puts you in control. Innate's cloud-based solutions provide a connected data flow that improves efficiency and guides better outcomes across the entire project lifecycle. See what Innate software can do for your next construction project. Learn more at innate.com. That's I-N-E-I-G-H-T dot com. This podcast is brought to you by Plan Academy. Plan Academy is the world's leading learning site for anyone working in construction, project management, or project controls. At Plan Academy, you learn construction, planning, and scheduling theory, how to master scheduling software like Primavera P6, and even advanced construction scheduling techniques. Plan Academy's courses are 100% online and at your own pace. You can learn at the office, at site, from home, anywhere. Get $75 off any Plan Academy course by visiting planacademy.com forward slash chatter that's planacademy.com forward slash c-h-a-t-t-e-r hey everyone this episode is brought to you by justdo.com justdo is a great business and project management tool we've been using here at project chatter i agree val i like to keep things simple and justdo is perfect for that but i do know it's got a lot of powerful functionality as well and one of my favorites is the task specific chat Absolutely. And for all you slackers, don't wait for Monday. Check out justdo.com. Now on with the pod. Hello, project people. You're listening to the Project Chatter podcast, your trusted source of project experts. I'm Val Matthews. And as always, I'm joined by my friend, Dale Fung. Hello, Val. Awesome. Another week, another pod. And this topic, exactly. I think, is going to be particularly exciting because this appeals to everyone. I think everyone that's ever worked on a project or just worked in any organization has these challenges. So I'm not going to give anything away. I'm just really excited. Mm-hmm. No, hopefully you've hooked the listeners there. Uh, but just before we get into it, do try and subscribe. I say try, maybe you should just do. Uh, press the subscribe button on whichever platform you listen to your good podcasts on and check out our YouTube channel for more of the best podcasts on project professionals out there. Um, and if you'd like to sponsor us, our podcast, that is get in touch with us at our website, projectchatterpodcast.com. Now let's get into it. In this pod, we are joined by James Kroll to talk about dealing with organizational change when implementing new project management systems yes that's a very very topical question and topic uh hi james how are you mate good happy to be here thanks for having me no worries now i'm gonna go informal now and call you jimmy um if that's all right with you so we're we're best friends now um it's a pleasure to have you on the show and we look forward to getting into it but i know they'll can't wait to share your bio Cheers, Val. So, Jimmy is an industry consultant for Hexagon based in Singapore. Sorry, that's wrong. Not Singapore, 
Bangkok, that's changed. There we go. I actually just you asked you before, yeah, before we hit record, <laughs> I said, you've changed locations now. Should we change it? And I still got it wrong. So yeah. based in Bangkok, in this role, Jimmy supports companies in the evaluation of Ecosys, Hexagon's enterprise project performance software. He has a proven track record of working with leading project delivery companies to eliminate disparate spreadsheets and point solutions in favor of an enterprise project performance system that provides a consistent platform to standardize processes and boost project outcomes. Jimmy has international experience implementing project management systems and holds a bachelor's degree in construction management, a master's degree in business, and is a certified project management professional. As Val says, welcome to the podcast, Jimmy. It is fantastic to uh, have you on the pod. And um, you are traveled. I mean, we just spoke quite recently and you were based in Singapore and now you're in yeah. Bangkok. Before we jump into the topic, can you tell us a little bit about your travels and what the world's looking like at the moment mm. in your part <laughs> of the world? Sure, sure. Yeah, so I um, I studied uh, in Orlando, Florida, or, or grew up in Orlando, Florida, studied in Florida, and then moved to Houston, Texas, started my career there, and then uh, ended up in Singapore, and then now in uh, in Bangkok. So uh, just took my my experience uh in the you know actually in the in the business on projects and and brought asia pacific to uh work in a consulting role helping companies uh you know evaluate their their systems and and uh see where they can make improvements awesome Amazing. awesome so if we jump straight into it because i'm sure there are many many layers we're going to peel back we like the the the, the layer onion analogy um <laughs> If we start with the root cause of why it's such a challenge um, dealing with organizational change, particularly when, you know, when you have these large mega projects in flight or even smaller ones, right? And you're trying to implement new systems. It's quite a, an upheaval for people and makes people uncomfortable. One, why do we do it? Um, and, and, and should we be doing it for in-flight projects? Um, and, and, and two, is it, is it something that should be difficult or are there ways, and, and this is where you're smiling, going, yeah, there are ways to make it right. easier for those to embrace, engage with, accept, et cetera? Yeah, well, I think the, the underlying theme is that, they're, that companies are not happy with the way that their projects are running. Because obviously, if, you don't, if your projects are coming in on time, on schedule, you know, everything's great, then then. You, you know, you might not, you might not have these issues. I've not, I've not met a company that has had, that has that kind of track record. So it seems like the norm is to have, you know, some, some organized chaos, uh, sometimes not so organized on the project. So it basically, um, you know, the, the problems arise at, at any level can be, you can have project teams that are, that are complaining about how difficult it is to, to do their jobs. You can have management complaining about how difficult it is to, you know, get, get any kind of visibility or real-time information. Um, so I think that there's the, the, the desire to change is, is there. Um, the, you know, the biggest, the biggest obstacle is that, uh, you know, it's human nature to resist that change. You know, I think everyone, I think everyone wants to change, you know, they, I, I have, I haven't met many people that are, 
that are uh, afraid to hold back on, on sharing with me what the problems are today. So, but, but then when you, you know, when you talk about what uh, the solution looks like and what the steps are to take to get there, uh, then it's, you know, then it's like, well, uh, not on my project though. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm all supportive. I'm all supportive, but uh, go start on that project over there. So I think in-flight projects uh, are, are fine to, you know, you, you have to have to start somewhere you can do, you know, you, some, some companies are more comfortable with, with pilot projects. You know, I tend to recommend against this approach because all that does is it just, it just drags out the, the whole process. It drags out the, all the, all the other projects are going to continue having this pain for a year while you're doing your, while you're, you're doing your pilot project. And, um, you know, and then I've seen like, you, you get to the requirements for the change or, you know, if you're implementing a new system, the requirements tend to be centered around that one project and you lose sight of what the whole organization needs. So, um, yeah, I, that's, it, there's, there's no problem with just, you know, just going with a big bang approach and, and, and implementing a system across all projects. You, I mean, software vendors are used to doing, data migration to you know get get existing existing projects uh up and running in the new system and there can be a, per a period of running the projects in in parallel you know until you get comfortable with the new system that's um but yeah no no problem with, with starting an in-flight project yeah that's quite interesting because you know i mean if you just scale that down it doesn't even have to be a huge new project management system just a small yeah. change sometimes and people yeah. you know throw their hands up in there and why are we changing this yeah. and i guess what you're alluding to there is a little bit of stakeholder management right yep absolutely you know, bring people along the journey uh, that always helps but i often find in your, in your um example there when people come and say oh this doesn't work i try and say to them okay well what do you want to do um which is quite interesting yeah. as well because Often people don't know, <laughs> they love a moan, but they actually don't have a solution and they're moaning to you because they want a solution. And then you give them one. And then as you say, they go, no, not that one. Um, but actually I gravitate towards those people because I want to, I want to talk to the, the, you know, the, yeah. the person that is against the system the most because mm -hmm. they're, you know, they're the, if they're the loudest against you, you want to, you, there's usually, I've usually found that, that it, there's something there's something under there that is a that is a real issue that you might be missing so like i've you know i've i've implemented these systems so many times and yeah you come across you come across people that are like ah oh, this cannot work for this type of project or my project or it doesn't do this or doesn't do that but then if you just if you get past the you know the way that they're delivering their message might not be the best the best approach but it, there is there is some validity to you know their argument and you and then you just you just deliver what they need okay maybe it's missing some some functionality and you deliver that and then then i've seen you turn them around to be the biggest advocates for for the tool so yeah it can it can work in your favor rather than i've seen other people try to you know try to suppress these uh you know these arguments or try to try to go back and forth but yeah if you just if you just hear them out and and you know, actually fix the the issue that they're that they're complaining about, then then they're really going to appreciate that and see the immediate value. Like that's a that's a great thing when you 
I love when someone says this, you know, the system can't do this. And then you, and then you go and, and do it. And then they're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm sold. Like it can do anything yeah. now. So that, that's a good, uh, I, I, I don't mind the, the people that are shouting against it. No, it's great. It's great that we started with the human side of um, the challenges as well. But if we just lift it up for those perhaps listening in, getting into project management, project control yeah. space, why do we need a system? What should it be doing for the project yeah. and for the organization? Just some of those basics, just so we lay the foundation and then we can dive deep deeper into it. Yeah. yeah. Basically, we we are living in a world with exponential data growth and it's just become impossible to, to manage this. And there's so much with the advancement of technology, there's so much that the software can do to automate your life. I mean, you, you've seen that in your, in your personal life. Um, you know, if you, if you don't believe me, you can ask Siri, you know, how much uh, she's, she's helped you. So, um, you know, I think that we just want, systems in place to just make life easier, uh, eliminate the, the boring work of, you know, compiling data and downloading, uploading, all these things are just not a good use of time. So you can, it's not about, um, you know, it's not about like replacing someone's job with a, with a technology. It's actually enabling them to be better at their job so that, you know, when you get into situation like a like we're in today with the aging workforce, a lot of a lot of highly skilled people are retiring, exiting the the workforce, and you need to have a way to capture that knowledge. And it, a system is a perfect way to do that, so that you can you know then then enable you know your your up and coming uh, employees to to be able to you know expand on that on that knowledge. So it's just getting away from you know, spreadsheets and outdated processes, the same way we've advanced from pen and paper to go into, you know, into computers, you know, software is now in place to automate these project processes that are, that are pretty, pretty standard and pretty repetitive. Yeah, no, that, thank you for laying that foundation. And I think Val and I have previously discussed this. I don't think we should be scared of replacing people's jobs and roles because there are some that actually are non-value add. Yeah. And so, you know, we should um, we, we should be looking. List them. List them. <laughs> you, yeah. You've got you've got the the full definitive list, Val. We'll we'll I pass do, to I you do. in a second to list them. Um, but I I was just wondering there. One more question for me before I hand to Val was around when you go in and you discuss with various organisations their needs. How much of it is they know versus they don't know, and how much is it while well, you're actually advising them, telling them what they should be doing. Because you can, I'd imagine, get pretty strong organizations that go, well, this is what we definitely want. And from yeah. your experience and what you've seen, you know, across industry, you're going, well, actually, that's not what you need. Um, I wonder then those listening in go, well, actually, we've seen this happen as decisions have been made at the top. They don't fit for delivery in our particular organization. Is there mm. a set methodology that companies can look at to understand what they're requirements actually are rather than just typically driven by the standard KPIs they always want and we need to you know because as we've discussed before KPIs drive behavior and you've got the wrong KPIs you've got the wrong behavior so I just wonder if you could share some of your insight and experience on on that yeah Um, 
so yeah, we've got we've got two. I would classify as two two types of customers. The first one is what you've described as basically they they already have so they're they're a mature company. They've got they've got systems processes in place. Maybe they've they've developed their own system in house, um, or you know they're using some some products off the market. Uh, you, you have those types of customers, and I think that what they appreciate what they what they're looking for is an easier way to you know they're still they're still having these pain these pain points um, you know they're further along than than most but they're still having these challenges so they're looking for they're looking for an enabling platform so something that allows them to just just take their their knowledge and their best practices and put that into a tool and that's and that's fine and usually these mature you know project delivery organizations they they um, are not far off from what we would recommend as a best practice anyway. And then you have the other type, which is like the very, you know, the very young, younger, less, less mature organization that, that needs someone to give them the direction, needs, needs a best practice. They know they have a problem, but they don't know what the, they don't know what the solution is. So then, you know, software today, like, like ours and others on the market, I mean, it's, it's designed to, to make you successful from, from the get-go, so you don't have to provide that um, that much input. So you you can uh, yeah you can accommodate both types of uh, both types of needs. That's interesting. That's interesting. Val, over to you for that definitive list of which positions are going to be made redundant <laughs> by technology. Oh, I never said that, but yeah, I, I like being put on the stick, and uh, well, I will get to it. I will get to it because I think it's an yeah. interesting conversation. Did, but before we get you, there, uh, yeah, oh, go ahead. Okay, no, you go, mate. I was just gonna say, uh, you know, it was the end of 2019. It was just before the pandemic, and when uh, Gartner came out with that that stat, you know, 80% of project management uh, tasks will be eliminated by 2030, yeah. and that was before the pandemic. And yeah. I think that fast forwarded to you know probably. By next year, it's going to look it's going to look completely different. So I think the way the way that we're going to work uh, is going to be is going to be different. So no, I, I remember reading something like that. It was very um, it was very bold to yep. you know alert uh, the public like that. But you know, it, yeah, I agree with Dale. You you can't fret about um, diminishing returns, right? You you've actually got to improve your your value exchange in this project environment, and it's always changing. So each project is a unique endeavor, as, as Dale says, every time we have a podcast, almost. <laughs> almost. And almost. And he says, you know, like, well, then each resource is a unique resource. You know, we, we don't necessarily need to put them all in the same pot. I'm, I'm just going to rewind back because there was a great thing you said at the start, which I don't think many people do say at the moment because they're quite risk averse, which was there's nothing wrong with a big bang approach. And yeah. usually when you go into these big organizations, they're thinking money and they're thinking risk and unfortunately we have you know examples where big bang approaches have gone wrong and they, mm -hmm. they they lose a lot of money and there's a lot of i guess embarrassment and 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 pr problems with spending let's say you know 10 million dollars on a technology project that goes wrong uh, but there's so yeah. many unknowns as well sometimes with software um but i think we've come a long way you know in particularly yeah. last five years i think software you know all you have to do is really attend a, a project controls uh, convention or, or a, you know, a roadshow, you'll see how many software or SaaS companies are uh, invested in the space versus yep. 
five, 10 years ago. So we, we certainly see more maturity in that space, which is exciting and diversity and competition, which is fantastic because that's good. But then if you look at it from a, from a client or an end user's perspective, the proof of concept or the pilot is attractive because it is lower risk to implement. But like you said, it will take longer to implement and win the hearts and minds of people. So back to your point of big bang, what do you say to, I guess, clients that maybe are apprehensive with the big bang versus the pilot? I mean, these are very generic terms, but what are they, what do you say to them? The disarmament? Yeah. I mean, it's a fair, it's a fair request. Uh, you know, you have to, if you put yourself in a, you know, if I put myself in a customer's shoes, I'm doing this, you know, I'm doing this consulting every day. This is probably mm. the first time that they're implementing the software themselves. So they're probably terrified and they don't want to, you know, they won't, don't want to choose the wrong one. They don't want to make a mistake. So, you know, if you go with a, with an experienced vendor, you'll be in, you know, you'll, you'll be in better hands because yeah, we've, you know, we've made, we've made mistakes, but uh, you know, we've, we've learned from that. So when, when someone asks for, you know, a, a, you know, a pilot or how do we, you know, how do we proof, proof of concept? What, what's worked well for me in the past is just uh, getting them to send, like share some, some sample, sample data of what they're, currently, what they're currently doing today. Share with me, you know, a couple of reports or, you know, whatever, whatever spreadsheets, whatever you've got. And, you know, what, what we can do is, is mock that up for them. So they can, they kind of just need to be able to see their data in a, you know, in the software. Because if you do, mm. if you do a software demo with just some generic data, it's kind of hard for, you know, for most people, especially if they're not very technical to, to relate to it. But then when you just get, you know, get their work breakdown structure, get their, you know, get their um, couple of their reports and you can actually show them this is what it will look like now. That seems, that, that seems to work. Um, and then, and then everyone's happy. They can, they can see that it's been it's been done with their data and then and then you can move forward um, much quicker yeah and i agree at this point around organizational change is really about basically taking the vision out of your head because you know you work in it every day and putting right. it in their head and sometimes seeing is believing and i think you know for the people that don't really get that and grasp that the idea is that you you're actually talking their language when you consume or ingest yep. some of their data yep. and information and their terminology and their acronyms um, when they see it or, you know, oh you're using my colors to paint that picture that's fantastic i can you, i can see now yeah um, yeah that's it, fantastic you would be shocked at how big a difference just just colors make i mean yeah just I, i've worked with companies i mean they have reports called the you know the orange and black report you know like that it's oh they, they've and they just want to be able to they want to See, the thing is that these companies, they've already socialized these reports and management is used to seeing them, but they want to just, they want to still produce those same reports, which is, which is fine. But, um, you know, it's all formatted the way that they like with their logos and all, all of that. Um, but they just want to make it easier to, to produce. So yeah, you'd be mm -hmm. shocked at, at how, how um, you know, just, yeah, showing the, changing the colors, the captions, um, because, you know, you, you guys know, a, a system like this, it's the system can be applied to any type of any type of project. But when you're when you're selling it to different industries, they really need to see their terminology to to be able to relate to it. 
Uh, so it is, it is important, but those are like such a, such surface level details that make a, that make the biggest difference. It's funny. That's, you know why we were laughing in the background? I think Dale was thinking the same thing I was thinking. Cause I was a big, I'm a big believer of pastel colors, Jimmy, uh. <laughs> for whatever reason, you know, Oracle has gone out of their way to produce the worst color spectrum ever. <laughs> yeah. It's the only color combination that's ever offended me when I walk past it. If I see a bright yeah. dark blue with yeah, a yeah. yellow ever again, it's, it's, and you're right. It, their colors have feelings and feelings are how people make decisions. And so when you relate to people in the colors that they talk, uh, there something magical happens. And uh, yep. yeah, it's very interesting. Um, I had another question around the organizational change piece. So I think Dale touched on mm -hmm. asking um, a little more about the methodology. So is there a right way uh, when dealing with implementation as such? So how do you prep for it? Um, do you go to an Anthony Robbins kind of two-day event, pump yourself no. up, do you prime in the morning? How do you convey that confidence? And then is there a process flow or a method that people could adopt out there to help? Yeah. Well, first you, you have to go all in as an organization on all on all levels um mm. it does not it does not work well when you have just you know it's being pushed from the top down that's i, I generally i generally see mm. that as the as the you know the the method um that is most most common um is you know some someone at the sea level or you know, or near or nearby it decides that they need this, you know, they need to make this, you know, the purchase of software, they need to make a change and the projects are not on board. They're not buying into it. And they look at it as just something else that needs to be updated. Another, you know, another burden on them. So you don't really get that. You don't get that buy-in. So you re it's really important to engage at all levels of the, you know, get the support all the way up. So how you do that, um, you know, we, depending on who I'm talking to, obviously the, the value proposition and the messaging is gonna be different uh, because the value that a, you know, a, you know, a VP looking over all projects, the value that they're going to get from a software is different from a, from a cost analyst. You know? But you have to make sure that everybody's life is improving. If you do that, focus on that one thing, then you'll find that people cannot get enough of the software yeah, you want it to be a, a pull you know you want them to be like I, I, I want like I want this on my project instead of oh yeah uh, don't put that don't put that on my project so um, you know you get you get that through you accomplish that by you know performing workshops and and I, you know the the decision making party I've, I've noticed the decision making is has grown, you know, so many people are involved in the decision-making process now. Rarely do I see, you know, a single person stick their head out and make a, you know, make a purchase off on a whim. So they, I do see the trend is like the, the organizations realize that it's better to get the buy-in and move together. Uh, so yeah, those are just some of the, some of the tips I would have. Yeah, no, great. I really appreciate that. I think, um, you know, you kind of mentioned stakeholder management in general in the workshops. So you can't get away from it. So as much as we move forward, we, we still actually think we're, we're humanizing more than we used to. So technology is helping us connect in, in a new way. Um, yep. it, it might be new and unusual for some, uh, but I think what it, it does allow is for us to elevate and enhance our skills as well. So mm -hmm. I, I agree with your point. From top down and bottom up, I think 
you've got to get that balance right and not a lot of organizations do but is there a cap i mean my last question before i jump over dale to ask a few questions how how big does an organizer have to be before it's too dangerous to do a big bang like is it 100 people 200 1000 3000 a 65000 mm-hmm. employee like an erp system let's say you roll out something that's going to affect three and a half thousand or sixty thousand people and they won't get their pay uh if the system isn't done properly does it, when, when does it become too dangerous to do big bang well you know you can there when i say i guess let me let me explain what i mean by big bang because sure you if you if you're dealing with these you know these huge companies that have you know want to get want to get every you know, every office, every, they have thousands of projects around the world. Yeah, it's not going to happen overnight. But what mm-hmm. I, I guess what I, um, what I mean by Big Bang is try not to start with just, you know, one project at a time, like have a, have a, have a plan to do, you, uh, that's fine to do with a phased approach, whether, whether you want to organize it geographically, you know, conquer one, one area, one location at a time, or do it by business unit. But, you can definitely move faster than you think. I, I guess that's the that's the message that I wanted to get across there. Yeah, brilliant. That is awesome um, because yeah, as you say, big bang. A lot of people just think everything. Yeah, right? no. <laughs> and, and I think I mean the more the more requirements that you know the more input it's, it goes along with buy-in. I mean, if you if you do. If you do have a representative, let's say you're working with a, a global company, if you do have representatives from all of the regions, you know, sh- they shouldn't be in the dark. They should be contributing to requirements. They sh- so they're not surprised. Maybe they don't go online all at the same time. You know, there's a, you, know, you, you can only manage so many, you know, her- it's like herding cats, you know, so you can only manage so many people at one time, but um, they, should, they should be contributing to the process because I, I have seen it not go well when you when you keep certain you know certain business units or certain regions in the dark then you get you have to overcome this stigma that like oh you know the system doesn't have my requirements in it or it's only for this type of project or or that so yeah you that's you should have you know coordination and cooperation from everybody Mm, no, very good advice there. And I'm going to ask you, I know you've taken your hexagon hat off for this. You're not trying to sell anything, yep. which is great. Nope. But I'm going to ask you to take the coat and the tie off as well. Um, okay. <laughs> if, you, if you were the organization assessing um, which sort of software to use, what to implement, how would you go about it? What would you look out for? What are the pitfalls out there these days that mm-hmm. you should go, that's, that's a warning sign. Don't bring that in. I know it's obviously, it depends on what the organization wants to start off with, but then surely there, there, there might be some things to, to, to look out for when looking yeah. at the various options out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, the, I would say the biggest, the biggest thing is that you, it, you, it used to be, you would have to, you, you purchase a software and you would have to adapt to it. But nowadays, you should be looking for a software that adapts to you. So it, it's, it becomes less, less disruptive that way. Um, so you want, a, you, know, you want a software that is, that is configurable as opposed to you know, requires uh, coders and development, um, that, that sort of thing. You wanna, you wanna enable 
uh, business users to be able to make the changes. And as their as the need as their needs evolve, you want them to be able to support themselves. So you don't want a software that relies too heavily on IT's engagement. So nowadays, you know, IT's purpose it should just be to keep the system you know keep the system online. So they're all they're all web-based applications. You need to be connected, and and they they're there's enough of them within an organization that that in, in itself is enough to keep IT busy. You shouldn't have to translate requirements over to IT and then they deliver on, on that. It just doesn't, they don't speak project people and IT, they don't speak the same, the same language. Um, you know, I've, I've sort of made my career as like a, as being a translator basically between the two sides. Like I can speak enough of both, of both sides that they, they both understand me. So, um, you know, you want, you want software to, to, you know, to work for you and to be, and to be easy to use, um, you know, intuitive, you, you want all those, all those kind of things. I think if I, um, yeah, I mean, if you do a, if you do a Google search, I recently did a Google search for project management software, something like that. And it was like, yeah, it was like, uh, I don't know, 60 million results. And, you know, wow. I, I don't know about you, but when was the last time you went to the second page of uh, Google results? Because I don't know if I've ever visited the second page. So, um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of companies, you know, there's a lot of vendors out there. So it is, it is difficult to, um, to differentiate all the, all of them from each other. But um, what other things could you, could you look for? Um, you want, you want a, you know, obviously a, you want to work with a company that encourages uh, you to kind of tailor the, the product to your own, uh, to your own needs. So some, some of the, some of the vendors that the product is so rigid that it's like, you know, they, they, they discourage you from making any changes to it. And so that defeats the purpose of having something like really, um, you know, tailor-made. So you want some, you want to, you know, something that can that can adapt to to your needs, um, something that's easy to, you know, ask about the upgrade process. Um, because one of the things, you know, oftentimes it's not just just Hexagon, but any any vendor in the space, they're gonna they're gonna be meeting with a, a company, and a lot of times they will be um, replacing a, a homegrown system. That's usually what you walk into. You walk into a bunch of spreadsheets, maybe a homegrown system. So the problem with that homegrown system is it was it was designed, you know, five years ago. It's it's outdated. The person that that built it is no longer with the company. You can't upgrade it. It's expensive for IT to to maintain all of these all of these problems. So you want to look for something that doesn't have those uh, doesn't have those problems. No, thanks, Jimmy. Some some good tips and advice there for those listening in. And you mentioned IT and the role they should or shouldn't play. And yeah. that reminded me of Val and his debate with Caroline Patterson back in season one, where Val was firmly in the camp of, we have to have IT within the controls, under controls and PMO, because you know we know best what we need. Uh, and Caroline was like, no, no, no. And Caroline's a PMO person as well. Uh, a yeah. very good one indeed. And she was like, no, they should be separate. Where do you sit, Jimmy, yeah. on, 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 with, you know, those two camps? What, what are your thoughts? Should IT be within the controls PMO space for a project management organization or should they sit firmly outside? So I'm, I'm, I'm of the position that they should be, they should be separate. But I, I want to ask Val if 
I, I think I know where he's coming from, or I have a hunch by, by wanting to include them, is he's probably thinking that it is, you know, you need IT to be developing these systems for you. So if I, if I ask Val, what have you had, what if all of your tools were configurable by non-technical people, by business, business users, project users, and they could just go on their way, kind of like a developer, then would you agree that um, you know that IT could be separate and just just responsible for keeping systems online and, and up to date? Well, this is where I think um, we talk about redundant roles, and I think the the role of the IT business unit in general is 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 not going to be around for long. And I think there's yeah. there's always going to be a, you know if we if we split the hemispheres, if you split IT into two halves, there's always a a backend infrastructure management support network, right? Where they're managing firewalls and servers and, and that kind of thing. I think that's inherently going to stay the same. You'll have probably more uh, machines managing it than people. Um, but I, I agree with your point around the IT front front of face or front of house where um, IT won't be required to configure systems because most systems are configurable themselves. If you take Office 365 as a perfect example, where it's low cost, um, a low barrier and entry, and it's very, very easy to use. And they do that on purpose. It's a subscription model where, um, you know, they know what they're doing. Uh, they know that people know how to use Excel. They've made yep. Power BI almost, you know, very similar Power Query. The idea is, is to kind of wean them on very slowly to a self-serve configurable system. Yep. And most of them do that now. I'm sure Hexacon does it. I'm sure other systems and tools do that out there where they... We don't, I don't think we'll need coding um, by the time our kids grow up, you know, coding will be autonomous. It'll be more about the intention of why you're doing it. So the machine will ask, what do you want to do? Why do you want to do it? Have you thought of this? Mm -hmm. And you'll have the option to, I guess, um, uh, describe or predict. What, what it, well, it'll have the idea of prescribing or predicting what you might want to do with it. Um, so my view with Carolyn was we had this debate, Jimmy, and we, you know, we still don't agree. And I work with her a lot. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the traditional roles, I think, are, are not going to be around. And we had this really good, we had Anne Bamford and Steve Wake on talking about fusion skills and how I think everyone's going to be a little bit of IT and everyone's going to be a little bit of a change manager and a risk manager mm -hmm. and a costy. Mm -hmm. You know, project controls have been doing this for a while, but I think the 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 concept of project controls is going to widen, and everyone's going to be a little bit of project controls, which is a great great idea. Um, yep. So yeah, I I agree with your your premise that uh, which I think is agreeing with me, right, Jimmy? That yeah yeah that but IT, I, yeah yeah yeah. Okay, don't cool. let him twist your um, arm, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> so my longer winded view is is that yes yes and. To be honest, if you do look at other, if we go back to implementation, if you do look at how big projects are implemented, IT can be the biggest blocker yeah. to uh, implementing new systems. And it's not their fault. And I actually, so anyone in IT, don't get upset with me. What happens is the business decides something. It's like the left not talking to the right. Yeah. Halfway through the implementation, someone brings in Dougie. And Dougie had no idea. He's in charge of architecture. You're messing his whole life up and making yeah. it very difficult by throwing in a whole new system. And then he puts up the fence and suddenly yep. your whole project's delayed by six months, 12 months, and he doesn't care about the cost. So that's kind of a scenario I was in and yep. it can happen. And uh, so 
So I think bringing IT into the business is better. They understand the requirements and they understand what you're talking about and they speak the same language. That's my view. No, that's mm. awesome. Is Dougie a real person, Val? Um, he actually is. Yeah. So <laughs> shout, shout out to shout Dougie. Out to Doug. <laughs> awesome. He probably doesn't. He probably doesn't like project controls that much. We we gave him so much grief, but in the end, he was really really great. Um, so mm. you know, it was a positive story in the end. But he was not happy when he found out what we were doing. Uh, so yeah, shout out to Dougie. Good man. Shout out to Dougie, indeed. Thank you, Val, for mm. clarifying that and adding to it. Yeah, so. No if we look at uh, the golden triangle people process tools we've spoken a little bit about tools well quite a lot about tools we've spoken a little bit about people um and we're going to process in a second but just one more on um people in real life scenarios jimmy you've gone in and you've implemented new systems how has it changed people's roles now because those listening in go okay we've just spoken about what might make things redundant you know certain mm -hmm. roles redundant from your experience, how has it changed their roles, positive and negative, please, not just the positives? Okay, okay. Um, okay, start with the positive first. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, start with the negative and end on a positive note. There we so go. The negative, the <laughs> nice. negative would, I've seen is it's the people that, you know, generally they, you know, just the, the older people that have been doing this the same way for so long that they're set in their ways, you know, you can't teach old dog new tricks kind of uh, mentality that are just, mm. you know, just not, not willing to participate or, or do the bare minimum. Um, so you get, I mean, those people, I've seen them get, get pushed out just because they're not, not supportive of the, of the direction that the company wants to head. Now on the positive side, I've found that the people that are that embrace the change, you know, if you think about it, if you're if you're on a project, if I'm a if I'm a cost analyst, project controls manager, project manager, anybody, if I see, you know, I'm smart enough to realize that if a company has invested a lot of money into a new whatever, a new tool or a new direction, that there's going to be a lot of support, a lot of drive behind that. You kind of want to be a part of that. You want to be you want to be the one, you know, out that's kind of how I started. That's how I got in this position. Like how I, how I got to be this, like uh, implementing systems is the company, the first company that I had worked with out of, out of school, they, they said, Oh, we, uh, we, you know, we bought this new tool. Who wants to, who wants to implement, who wants to be in charge of implementing it? And everyone was like, uh, not me. And, and I was like, you know, I'm just green behind the ears. Like, okay. Um, yeah. What is it? I'll do it. So then I started to, you know, learn, learn about the tool and had to learn quickly about how the existing processes, the flaws in those and, you know, have to basically convert these, you know, experienced, you know, I'm 20, 23, 24 years old, you know, teaching these veterans, industry veterans, how to, how to do their job now in the, you know, in the 21st century. So um, you know, it can create a lot of opportunities if you get behind the, the change. Um, like one, okay, I'll give you some, you could have, you know, let's say a listener is thinking about, well, um, like a job, job security. Okay, let's talk about that. So I've seen that where back what, what, what this does now, what I'm getting to is that um, having a standardized system or process in place allows people to move around a lot easier where it used to be, you know, you would just have like 
you know, you, you, you have a cost analyst, okay? Let's say they're working on the project, they've got their spreadsheets, their macros, everything's all, all nice and tidy, how they like it. Okay, they, they quit and they go to another, you know, they take another job, they retire, whatever, what have you. This has happened before. And then um, what happens is a new, new person gets assigned to take over their, you know, to, to take over on the project. They inherit all of these, all of this mess to them they don't know they don't know what is happening they don't know what the current state of affairs are so what i've seen happen is the company actually had to hire back the other the, the person that left to do a proper you know proper handover with the with the new um you know the new the new cost analyst and that's just if you're running projects that's a nightmare scenario in terms of a, a seamless handover it's far far from it but it, you might be thinking that if you're that if you're that guy that you know that had to get hired back, you might be thinking, oh, you're pretty you're pretty valuable. You've got some job security. But I would challenge that person and say, if they were to use their skills to actually provide the input, you know, they might they might have some good practices, some good input to provide into the development of the new of the new software that's being you know that's being rolled out. Then they actually have created another career path for themselves and made themselves even more, even more valuable. So um, yeah, I think that's, a, it can be, it can be a positive if you get, if you get behind the, the change and you're, and you're willing to change. Um, yeah. I've seen, I've seen a lot of good things come from it. No, that's interesting. Cause I think both Val and I have seen that before yeah. as well. Um, both people creating a little industry for themselves, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause they, they, they think they immovable by it. Um, but yep. sometimes it happens just, because of necessity because there isn't anything and that's okay as well as long as you say you're willing to change and adapt to it Um, but just replaying some of what you're saying I I think my takeaway is generally in terms of how roles do change with Mm. um, improved systems is that particularly in the control space and this has obviously an impact on delivery as well we move away from a lot of the doing of the past into more of the analysis and the information is um, processed in a quicker speed so we can make quicker decisions on projects ultimately. That's certainly what I've seen in my experience with you know integrated tool sets coming together. Yep. Now, as you've alluded to, not all systems are made equal. Not all processes are the same. Um, so I then wonder in terms of processes, how much, and this is, this is my final one before I hand to Val, um, how much... Is it the tool driving the process versus the process driving the tool? Yeah, it's, I mean, you can be successful with any tool. Okay. You know, don't tell my company I said that, but you know, (laughs) don't listen, Hexagon, don't listen to this podcast. Yeah. It's not the, it's, it's, it's not the tool. Certainly, you know, different tools have, have different bells and whistles and levels of, uh, of difficulty on, on implementing them. So there's, you know, there's of course, uh, differentiators between the, the softwares, but if you just get the, you know, if you follow the right, you know, the right steps, if you're guided in the right direction, if you have the right mindset, if you have, uh, the buy-in at all, at all levels, um, then you'll be, you know, you'll be more, more successful. Um, you know, so that's, yeah, that's the secret is like you just yeah you can you can really you can work with whatever you've got and um and yeah it's all about the 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 people and and getting those uh 
you know, getting, get, that's why, that's why, you know, we're talking today, we're talking about organizational change. That's a bit, for me, that's the biggest, that's the biggest, uh, that's a bigger thing to manage than the actual implementation of the software. I mean, we can get the software, you know, you get the software turned on overnight. That's not a big, that's not a big issue. Load it up with some data. It doesn't take, it doesn't take long these days. So, um, but the, the change getting, getting, mm. you know, getting people, uh, to, you know, unfreeze their, their habits is, is the, the kicker. No, I agree. And I will pass to Val just one comment, final comment, just as you're talking there, I, I was thinking, you know, Val mentioned there's, there's risk that people consider, um, you know, when adopting new projects or implementing new project management software. But I think there's also a trust element because if you know your old process and you know it inside out, you go, I know exactly how that piece of data starts off life here and ends up over there because I know the process. Yep. Now it's been built in some tool and I can't see it and I don't trust it. So just, just an observation. Um, and maybe you want to comment on that. Uh, yeah, Jenny, before but we that's why, yeah, that's why I said earlier, you know, if you, I'm fine if you want to run your, your, you know, your process in parallel for the, you know, for your first reporting cycle of first month, you know, run, do, do things your old way at, in parallel with the new way. And until you're comfortable that, you know, everything is looking the same, you know, that's, that's fine. But what you'll find is, you know, on the, on the back on the, another positive note is that I've seen now where people are now, they're able to, they're able to work on projects that they, they weren't really qualified to work on before because of their, their experience was so, so niche into one business unit that now I can see, I've seen people moving across business units that wouldn't be, you wouldn't normally find on those types of projects, but because they're already familiar with the tool set, because they've been using it on their projects, that it's just, they can now learn the new, you know, the new line of business instead of, instead of have to learn new line of business and new tools and new way of doing things. So that I've seen as a, as a positive as well. Yeah. And I, I was just going to add even one more step to that. If you think even when you got the trust and you understand the process, sometimes this transparency factor tells them things that they do not want to know or do not want out there. And so you're almost in this kind of conflict where they know what the right thing is to do. The right thing to do is to implement, you know, tools fit for purpose, fit for scale. We, we understand this integrate systems, but yeah. then they don't like the answer. Yeah. And seen, so seen you're, you've seen that. I would love to okay. hear your experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so when I, okay. So when I was, you know, implementing the system from the customer side, so I was, I was responsible for the, the success of the tool, but, but on the, on the customer side and um, I would get, you know, I'm, I'm administering this tool. I'm, you know, I'm supporting all of the people that are using it, making sure that they're that they're, you know, successful. And um, I, my favorite call to get was, you know, ecosystem. The name of our software, you know, ecosystem is wrong. And uh, I would get that call, and that's my favorite. That's my favorite call to get because um, I'd be like, okay, let's investigate that. And then you, you know, you dig down into it, and it's actually just putting in plain sight an issue that was already there that you would have never that you would have never seen before so it does it does tell you you know it, we we like to say you know it's a, it's a single source of truth but it's it's the truth it's going to it, there's no masking it so um that transparency 
uh, you know, you really have to come to come to terms with it. It provides a whole, uh, you know, a level of, uh, you know, it's it's uncomfortable for for some some people. Yeah, yeah, I've I've, I've certainly been in that situation. I know Dale has as well. Um, it's not a it's not a full podcast, Jimmy, until I talk about the future, and I love right. talking about the future. And I, I reference Elon Musk way too much. Um, but uh, I will stop doing that because he's gone wacko. No, he's all right. Um, Jimmy from Bangkok, I want to know from your perspective, um, what is the future of software? So right now we have a, a, I would call a saturated market in the project space. You mentioned millions of references of hundreds Mm -hmm. of thousands of different tools. It feels like there's a new tool coming out to do the same thing. And you see that in a thriving environment, right? Um, It's a good thing, but I kind of put it to Nat Moyers, who's, uh, you know, in the Dell tech space and, I'll probably ask uh, Dan Patterson next time we have him on from Innate. But what I wanted to know was, are we getting to a point where there'll be some sort of convergence and rather than a, pre- a pre-built interface, we'll have a blank screen. And through a series of prompts and, and probes, the intuitive system will build whatever it is uh, based mm. on the simple thing that everything we do from a software perspective and a project controls perspective is based on algorithms and rules and that's all it is and uh, you know i really think we we need to manage well what i'd like to see for the for the community of project controls is to focus more on quality which i think you know you, you, machines can't do right now they they really can't they're not smart enough to decipher the difference between good quality bad quality and when someone's lying and and, and that quality of gap but but do you see some somewhere in the future where we won't have the need for so many tools and there'll be one to rule them all kind of thing. Is that? Yeah, it could. It, yeah, I could see that. I mean, um, I mean, I'm seeing that the, these tools, there's, there's, there's more in common than, than different between these tools, you know? And then if, yeah. if, yeah. if one tool, if one tool develops something, you know, you know, we see something that's out on the market. We're like, Oh, we want that in our, you know, let's put that in our, in our tool. And I'm sure everyone else is doing the same when they, you know, when we come out with new stuff. So, um, yeah, I think eventually that like there'll be this convergence and, you know, there'll be, um, you know, clear, clear leaders, you know, there's like always going to be a lot of noise out there. Um, but yeah. yeah, I agree with what you said. We actually, we used to, we, we used to sell our, our software like that as a, as a blank box. Like today we, we, you know, we sell with like a, a standard product, like everybody else, um, on the market has always done, but yeah, yeah. I, I like that approach where it's just, you know, pick and choose like a, like a shop adding to your, to your shopping cart and, you know, you want estimating. Okay. Add it, add it in. You want, you know, you, yeah. you want budgeting and forecasting. You want this. Yeah. I, I can see that. I mean, you mentioned Elon Musk. I mean, we're, you, know, you can buy, you can buy a car online now. You don't have to even go, you don't have to talk to a salesperson. So could, could be software could be, could be just like that. It should be, you, you should just be able to <clears throat> visit, visit our website and, you know, and just say, okay, this is how many users you have. These are their, you know, this, you, this is their role and you need this kind of functionality. And then you just, you know, you download the software and off, off you go. So it could, it should be, should be that easy. I was just thinking while we're talking, cause sometimes I talk before I, I filter myself and uh, I was just, then I just counted myself. I was like, yeah, but the only problem is a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people in our space don't actually know what they want. And that's, probably where we get people like Jimmy in there because, you know, like I got the blank canvas. Did you know you could link your estimations with your schedule and you can 
do all this right. fancy CAD stuff. And a lot of the time, I don't think actually clients know the full breadth of what's available. Um, but I guess then you go to the, the Walt Disney method, then you say, well, actually anything, anything you can imagine is, is, is available then. Okay. Then it works in that scenario. But uh, yeah, I think there's still yeah, a world for I, Jimmy's. I think, um, I think the, the biggest key is how well your, how well the, the provider's software plays with your existing architecture, because I think we yeah. won't, we're, we're not going to get to, we're not going to get to a place where every company is using the same, you know, the same tools because all these, all these industries are different. Companies have different, different, um, different suite of tools. So um, what we will get to a place where they need to, they, you, you need to be able to plug in, you know, like the, like phones, you know, with that, with a standard USB-C charger, you know, I think just everything needs to connect, you yeah. know, as easy as, as that. I mean, um, it, with, with a, a, just like you buy adapters and it just needs to be as, as easy as that. Um, you know, if you have a, a software that does that, then I think you'd be successful in the future. Well, I have seen a few. I mean, I know um, Oracle's got Unifier. I know uh, Dell brought out a, a, this integrated called Boom. I know there's free open source ones like Zapier yeah. and and all that. But you know, I, I agree. I think you're right. All it, one of the problems we have with systems is like no one wants to let go of the tools that they can bring in. People bring in to the organization their own tools and their own poisons, and once they've got them, you know, that's it. It could be spreadsheets. It, mm -hmm. uh, it could be Primavera. You know, we talked to Michael Lepage about P6 and well, that's not the best scheduling tool, but it certainly seems to be the, the, the founding stone to a lot of the PPM tools out there. And, and you go, but why? It doesn't play nice with others. I mean, they're getting better, but um, we, we need tools that do have that ability to plug and play. Uh, and you look yeah. at some of these newer softwares as well. They seem to be on it very quickly. Uh, you know, like the, they're not very, obviously very practical, like the Mondays and, and that, but um, you know, I think Just Do as well is trying to integrate as much as possible with as many. So they are getting the message that playing nicely with others is a good thing, and yep. that doesn't mean that you you, you don't get you're not going to get all the market share. Uh, I think the other thing I wanted to mention, Jimmy, was there's a lot of products out there where they're trying to you know you have to buy the whole suite. I know this is the Microsoft way of doing things. Yeah, you don't yeah. you know we don't want you to buy one thing. We want you to buy the whole suite, and they're separate subscriptions. And you're like Jesus Christ, I just want yeah. a tool. It does X, Y, and Z and gets me this answer. And uh, it, yeah. it can be not analysis by paralysis, but whatever the system version of that is. Um, do, yep. do you encounter a lot of that? Oh yeah, I mean, look at us. I mean, today we're on we're on Zoom. You know, it's a Zoom hmm. Zoom um, found their their market by you know they they recognize that not everybody not every company not everybody has the the budget to buy a you know to to go in, in business with you know microsoft and get get in microsoft teams and it's uh yeah it's it's for the big it's for the big guys so uh you know zoom zoom has made it made it easy to just get the get get what you need you need video you need video conference um you know cheap and easy and that's and that, and that's what it, that's what it does um so you can yeah you can compete yeah yeah, Dale, over to you, mate. No, it's fascinating. It's 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 such an interesting space talking about um, the future and trying to go yeah. into the crystal ball and what what you know the art of the possible and it's infinite. Um, but I think it's what's feasible, what's acceptable, what will be adopted, etc. Um, and you got to try and meet that because, as we say, we are human and we sometimes struggle with change. 
Um, but thank you for all of that insight, Jimmy. We're heading towards the end of the podcast. And we do have a feature, which is called Defend the Indefensible. It's a bit of fun. where okay. It's inspired by ridiculous statements that we hear every day. Um, and what we do is we throw a ridiculous statement at our guest. And we ask him or her, you in this instance, to defend that. So I'm going to give okay. you a statement. You'll have 30 seconds to argue for this ridiculous statement. Okay. Are you All ready? Right. Let's do it. Awesome. So your 30 seconds starts after I read out the statement. We don't need new systems. We've been delivering projects perfectly for many years. Yep. All right. Um, yeah, we, I think that the way we've been doing it is just fine. Uh, I um, am happy with the way that, I'm, that I've been running my project. Um, you know, we can, we can just, uh, you know, have a workshop internally and talk about, um, you know, I can share my, the, the way my best practices, I can share that with, um, with others. And uh, yeah, we don't need a system to, you know, to do that. So it's, we've been doing this for the last 20 years. Why, you know, why should we, why should we make the change now? Um, yeah. So, so. Awesome. And, and 30 seconds on the dot as well. So okay. well done. Well done. A bit of fun there at the end, Jimmy. Thank you for being a good sport. Um, It's been great to have you on the podcast. Uh, And as we head to the end of it, is there any final thoughts, words of inspiration that you want to leave the the listeners with? Um, Well, I I enjoyed the discussion. I hope that it was insightful and not boring and maybe maybe even a little motivational for, for the listeners, you know, to kind of take a, you know, take a, a look back and, and not be so, you know, um, not be so overwhelmed by this kind of this process, because I do realize that, you know, it's, it's a lot of people's first times uh, going down this, going down this path. Uh, they may know projects very well, but they might not know systems very well. So, um, yeah, I just encourage them to just, just keep, keep improving, always be optimizing. That's my, that's my philosophy in life. And I think that it's a good one to have on your projects as well. A great philosophy. And I, I do honestly think you've provided us with some fantastic insights and great tips. And I'm sure the listeners will take a lot from that. Val, any final thoughts from yourself? Uh, Jimmy, I'll have to meet you in Bangkok at some point when I get out of lockdown. But um, no, it was an absolute when, pleasure to meet you. <laughs> when are we going to be done uh, with lockdown? That's oh. what I want to know. If you, yeah. if you can tell me, I'll, I'll book my tickets now. But uh, no, yeah. pleasure. I think you're right. I think that was a great, great conversation. You really had some insightful points there. I had a manager once, and I think Dale and I follow by the same mantra, you know, fail fast, fail forward. And and he used to say it a lot rougher. He would say adapt or die. But I thought that's a bit rough. Um, yeah. But the idea is, you know, if you accept change as the only constant, then, you know, you, you're kind of at peace with it and uh, you roll with the punches. So um, I think given COVID and all the other uncertainties in the future, it's, it's resilience and, and adapting to change is one of those key skills I think everyone yep. out there should learn. And I think that's what you're advocating today. So thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you. Really enjoyed it. Awesome. So did we, Jimmy, just before we go, we have oh, a surprise yeah. uh, pop quiz uh, at the end. All right. It's called okay. Tenor. 10 questions and 10 answers from yourself. Uh, it okay. shouldn't take too long because you should know the subject matter very, very well. Right. Val, over to you. Are you ready? I hope so. I guess pause. I have to do. <laughs> yes, you do. It's uh, it it it's it's pop quiz as quick as you can. Um, 
don't spend too much time on it. You'll you'll smash through this. There's no tricky okay. questions or curved questions. All right. Okay, question one, ready, uh, is what's your morning routine? Morning routine, coffee as soon as possible. Bing. Would, would you rather spend your day with people or technology? People, good, good people. Nice. Uh, how do you deal with stress? Um, exercise fixes it. What is the best book you've been gifted? Nobody's, nobody's gifted me. People recommend books. Um, I would say. Well, I'm the, a book though. Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You're going to send us your address. We'll get your book. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the Bitcoin standard was a good, was a good one. Yeah. Oh, nice. Uh, if you chose, oh, if you could choose to spend a day with anyone past or present, who would it be and why? Um, Michael Jordan, childhood, uh, childhood looked up to him. I played a lot of basketball. Oh, awesome. Uh, what's the price? Oh, sorry. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Um, the harder you work, the luckier you get. I've heard that before. Uh, what is the biggest mistake you've ever made on a project? Ooh, I think uh, being just totally messing up a bunch of data, just losing data, I think is a, is a pretty catastrophic mistake. What advice would you give your 10-year-old self? My 10-year-old self? Um, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, what profession other than your own would you have liked to have attempted? Uh, I think I would have been a good lawyer. Would have liked to do that. If you had to spend uh, a million, what is it in Bangkok baht? What no? Yeah, what do they call yeah. it with the currency. Uh, yeah, yeah? Mm -hmm. a million baht's not much, though, is it? No, 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 no. No, all <laughs> right. Let's do a million. We'll do a million dollars. If you okay. had to spend a million dollars in a day, what would you spend it on? U U.S. dollars, right? US yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think I would uh, put it in after reading Bitcoin standard, I'd dump it into Bitcoin. Hey, so that, there we go. Yeah, exactly. Good answer. Well done, sir. Dale, love to you. Awesome. Thank you, Val. And thank you, Jimmy, for being such a great sport. I think the saying of the hard I worked lucky I get, I think it came from Gary Player, South African golf. Uh, ex -South oh, African okay. golfer. Yeah, I think originally. Uh, he Googled that. No, I my, didn't. My, my mom likes to take credit for that for that one. So I, no, now, nice. I know, now I now know. Now I know. She got it. Yeah. Jimmy's mom. It came from Jimmy's mom. Yeah. Right, um, right. And then <laughs> Gary Player mom. heard it from Jimmy's mom. And then he exactly. said it. <laughs> We've clarified that one. Thank you, Jimmy. It's been amazing to have you on the podcast. Yeah. And um, yeah, we'd, we'd, we'd love to see how things develop in, in, in the technology space. And we'll stay in touch. Um, to Absolutely. See if there's any more insight we can get you back for in the future so Absolutely. folks that is all we have time for on this episode but it doesn't have to stop here support our charities access blogs or if you think you have something interesting to share visit projectchatterpodcast.com don't forget to hit subscribe on our youtube channel and your favorite podcast player so you don't miss the next one a massive thank you to jimmy Kral and thank you all for listening till next time we say stay safe be disruptive and have fun doing it from me and val it's bye for now Views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to the participating individuals and not necessarily to the individual's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. Additionally, 
Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company or individual.